Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Uh, today on the program we have two musicians, uh, one who is uh, Lucas Kaczynski and also uh, Jamil Farouk. They go by Fried Monk and Beautiful Fortune and they have uh, worked together uh, on and off with different projects for uh, for a handful of years at, at this point. Uh, it was really great to talk to them about their solo ventures, their uh, music that they've uh, recorded together, and their new single called Planet B, uh, which you can check out now. Um, before we get into that, I will give a brief update on what's going on in my world. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell. I got my first haircut in over a year, my first real haircut anyway. Uh, and I went to my girlfriend's barber and uh, and it was, you know, I held off for a long time. It just, it was one of those areas where I'm not really comfortable. I don't want to be in a small quarters with uh, other people. And, you know, I'm sure it's safe. I were wearing masks and everything, but just not, it, it wasn't interested. It, you know, it was one of those optional things and no one's really judging right now your haircuts, right? Which caused me to have my daughter uh, uh, trim my hair twice over the uh, past year plus since COVID started. So it, it's been somewhat managed, maybe not as great in the back, but enough, uh, good enough to uh, get by and, and not hear any crap from most people <laughs> in my immediate circle anyway. Uh, so it was, I'll say it was nice. It was nice to uh, get back in the world and, uh, and get a real haircut. Uh, my girlfriend liked it, liked it, so that's a plus. And, uh, and I don't think it's too bad either, it works. So, um, so digging that. Uh, also something that I hadn't done in a while that, um, that was really enjoyable was taking my kayak out and getting up to Lake Berryessa uh, where I just, I love kayaking out to this island. Uh, it's about a three quarter mile uh, kayak uh, out to a private island. Like uh, no one goes out there really, unless you're by boat. Uh, mostly, and and especially about this time of year, it's not summer, it's not too hot or anything. Uh, I, you know, I I haven't gone out in a while. I've been really encompassed with distance learning with the kids and having them in times when I don't usually have them, uh, and um, and so I have to deal with that. And it really limits my ability to take time for me to go out and just relax and focus and um, and. Uh, uh, enjoy the outdoors. And, but I took time this past week to do that. Uh, I took, popped my kayak on my Subaru, took it up to the, the lake and, uh, and kayaked out to, uh, this island. And, um, and it, it was pretty windy. I, and, and also the, the water was lower than maybe I've ever seen it, be, uh, before. Uh, so I, the kayak was actually longer. I had to go around a big embankment to, uh, get to the island. Um, so it ended up being closer to two miles round trip, but, uh, but it was okay. I get to the, the island and I'm, uh, it's funny kids and I, um, you know, with the kids, I call, call it goose shit Island because there's goose poop out. Well, I call it goose poop Island with the kids, uh, but you know, an adult company, I'll say goose shit Island. And, uh, you know, it's actual name is goat Island. Um, and I've been there a number of times and just relaxed and, you know, it's fun to just take a beer up there or a couple beers and, uh, you know, and lay down a picnic blanket and relax. I brought my book out. Um, I actually was reading, uh, Matt Pinfield's 
uh, Matt Pinfield's memoir, uh, who uh, he was on the program recently. Uh, so reading about his stories, which was really cool. I had told him I'd buy his, um, his book and I did and really enjoyed uh, getting to see you know, the stories of a real rock and roll journalist, something that I've been doing since I was a kid and he's been doing since he was a kid, but he's been doing it far more successfully than I have. Uh, and so getting to hear some of the stories is pretty cool. But I took my book out and I, 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 I you know, I landed on, uh, you know, the kayak and I'm walking up to a spot where I'm going to lay down my blanket. And then this goose is, you know, is right up in my face and I, I didn't see it. It didn't, you know, it was just there. Uh, and it was, you know, it surprised me uh, a bit, I'll say, but um but it was it was being goose geese are pretty territorial so um it did not want me around and uh and i noticed you know i think it was trying to guard its eggs uh which uh it did not want me uh to be near so um i'm going to share this picture for the for youtubers but yeah this this goose was none too pleased that I, I was there and I had my bag ready to, to hit it if I needed to but I just backed away slowly and I realized that there were a, a number of other geese uh, on the island just in in balls uh, protecting eggs and uh, some others just walking around as well and then there were a hundred in you know a flock flying by easily a hundred um, flying around too so they let me share their space it was really windy and, uh, you know, I had to be on the lookout and make sure they weren't going to get overly protective again about, uh, about encroaching on their, their space. But, um, but I was able to hang out on the island uh, for a little bit, have a beer and, uh, and do a little reading before paddling back and, uh, and heading home. And it was just, it's a great outlet to just be able to get out and have a, a little quiet time to myself, which doesn't happen very often. So between those two things, I'm starting to sense a little bit of normalcy. Um, you know, things aren't back how they, they used to be and won't be for a while. Um, I'm also really looking forward to next year where the kids will hopefully both be back in school full-time, really banking on that. Um, my daughter is going back to four days a week in, in person in school for most of the day, which is a big cry from where she's at right now at only two days a week for half a day. So, so that's great. Um, something she really needs. I was not sure how I was going to juggle, you know, pick up and drop off, but luckily we have, you know, some, some help to lift some of that weight for the remainder of the school year. And, uh, and it shouldn't be too big of a problem. Um, they just need to be back in school. The distance learning thing, hybrid stuff is not working out very great at all. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful to the future. Uh, I know we're not out of this yet by any stretch, but you know, most of those around me have got their second shot this weekend. My mom, my girlfriend, one of my good friends, Jens, who's uh, co-hosts the podcast with me, but is not here today. Uh, all got their second shot and um, you know, some, sick fever some sickness some soreness you know but but overall everyone's doing well and uh, it's great to see you know just everyone you know hopping on top of this uh, and taking care of themselves and and uh people around them so um so congrats to everybody who's been able to start getting uh their shots as well
Um, so I'm not going to ramble too long because it's just me talking to myself ultimately. So, uh, so I'm going to, you know, go ahead and say, why don't we bring in our guests? You know, again, this is Fried Monk and Beautiful Fortune here on Concert Pipeline. Hey, Jamil, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. How are you, bud? I am good. Thank you. I think Lucas is joining also. What's up, guys? Hey, Luke. What's up, buddy? Just a preface. For some reason, this laptop decided to put the cameras on the bottom of the screen. So it always looks like I'm looking past. I swear I'm looking at you. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll put that out there. We, uh, <laughs> we got it, right? Uh, very cool. How are you guys doing today? Awesome, man. Oh. How you been? Not too shabby, you know, we're on the tail side of a, a year of craziness, right? And uh, um, I see I see hope. I think that's that's good, right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Slowly yeah. seeing things start to open, getting some uh, concert dates popping around too, which is nice to see. Yeah. Do you guys have uh, dates yourself that you're starting to book? What does that look like for you? We haven't really discussed performing. Yeah, we haven't. Except we haven't for, uh, just like an in-studio. We're thinking about doing a tiny desk for NPR. Yeah. How, how do you get set up to do a tiny desk? What does that look like? Uh, so, I have a space in Germantown, so we were thinking about either doing it there or at one of our spots. Um, just in front of a desk. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the format is just you need some kind of desk that's in the screen. And um, we did one. Well, I did one last year. Um, we actually did it at a brewery in, uh, in uh, Philly, which was a really great time. They brew cider there, and we did it out in the back of the brewery where all the sort of the distillery cans and the, and the bins and the copper or the steel uh, distillery sort of uh, banks were there. And um, it was fun. My buddy Tom came out and filmed it. He's a videographer. But this year, I think we're just going to kind of keep it a little bit more rustic, focus on the music, uh, set up some cameras, set up the audio, and uh, maybe uh, we're thinking about playing some acoustic versions of the song, you know, giving, giving people a different version and, and stripping them down a little bit. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so the new single that you guys have is, uh, is planet B. I mean, we can start there and kind of work our way back. I know you guys have a long history together. Um, but, but let's start with planet B. Tell me about the song. And uh, I mean, was it recorded during COVID or was it, did you guys start working on it beforehand? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You can um, take this. Um, sure. So yeah, Luke and I, um, like I guess all stories begin these days with the pandemic. Um, we were a couple of weeks in the pandemic and I think we both had an inkling that it was gonna be a, a long haul. So at the time I had a series of songs that I had Luke uh, going in the studio and, and playing drums for, and we were just developing a really good chemistry working remotely. And um, I you know, just asked him one day, I was like, hey, do you wanna collaborate on some music together? And he was like, hell yeah, dude. So um, it, it started off with Planet B is an interesting one because you know, a lot of the songs started this way where I didn't really know um, how to approach songwriting with Luke. You know, we both have very different skill sets and different styles, and I wasn't sure how to go about it. But Luke did a great job sort of setting up the framework where he said, hey, you know, come up with a few little snippets, send me the stems, and then we'll we'll start mixing and matching and doing, you know, what I do best. So uh, Planet B actually was something that, you know, I, I recorded in my house and it was just uh, a series of riffs and uh, some vocal overdubs over um, two chords. 
And by the time Luke got his hands on it, I think if anybody listened to what sort of the original maybe demo or ideation of Planet B was, it's, it sounds nothing like what we have today. So, you know, um, I don't even think it's in the same key anymore. Uh, uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's definitely dropped down, I think. <laughs> yeah. I remember we went back to it and I was like, this is cool, but this guitar kind of sounds like it's a weird Rhodes piano. Can we retract the guitar? Yeah. So the original demo guitar is still in the song just pitch shifted down but we went back and re-recorded some of it on top of it so it had an actual kind of guitar feel to some of the chords but yeah it kind of all started with you asking me to work together um as fried monk because we had worked previously just me playing drums and recording for your other project yeah and yeah it just started i was like dude just record like three four song ideas not even songs just a couple phrases on a guitar or vocal melody and then he sent over a folder full of them, and that was one of them. Yeah. And so tell me a bit about the difference between uh, coming into this uh, project as Fried Monk versus uh, Lucas, you know, because you've done a lot of work to, uh, as Lucas um, with uh, Jamil as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I played a lot of drums on his stuff. Um, Adam, our, uh, my other um, partner at the studio, he does a lot of the production with Jamil but we've been working on projects pretty consistently for a better part of what, like five years? Yeah, um, I approached, so Luke and I met through a mutual friend maybe five or six years ago, right? Yeah. And um, we had met on a couple occasions just briefly. And, and to be honest, I think the, the thing that I remember the most about him was that this guy plays music. I heard he's a sick drummer. Uh, you know, he's a part owner in a studio in Germantown. And um, at the time, uh, you know, maybe 2015, 2016, I'd gone through a breakup and, you know, given the world has an abundance of breakup songs, I imagine it's therapy for a lot of artists. So it was for me. So I called up Luke and I said, Hey, you know, I got, I got a couple of tunes that I'd like to record. And, um, you know, I don't know anybody who owns the studio. And I don't know a drummer. Would you be down to kind of hang out? And we, um, we met up at a bar in Philly called Silk City, which is a really cool spot. It's kind of like okay. a diner slash beach bar slash art exhibit it's really it's really out there but it's really great and had a couple of beers talked about the project and uh we went in there um recorded uh maybe two or three tracks together that i released as that was EP. that was these days right yeah, yeah it was these days yeah and um from there uh i think we just had such a good time together that you know uh since that ep you know i think we put out maybe two records a few eps things like that and lucas drummed on every single one of them if not for many of the songs for for certainly a few so um it's it's just been a great relationship that way and i thought you know we're we're now for the first time kind of just working together the two of us is a pandemic so we released a track called lake michigan where luke recorded the drums and i you know i played the guitar the bass the keys everything else that went on it and um I was like, wow, it was just really fun to work with him. And um, I, I kind of remember this because, you know, I, I generally don't play out. Um, you know, I, I don't have sort of a, a band ever, but sort of a rotating great group of guys that'll play music with me um, when, when I, when, you know, when I asked them to. So I kind of was really nervous about it in the beginning because, you know, like I'm a fan of Luke's work and his Fried Monk catalog. And especially around that time, um, he released an EP that um, I think it 
you know, to me, it's some of his best stuff. Um, so I'm like, this guy's on top of his game. We're very different in what we do. I'm not sure he's going to want to want to do this. So I hit up our, uh, our friend Matt and Matt's a great guy, but he's usually not very enthusiastic in his answers. So if you ask him about something, he'd be like, oh, that's cool. Or, yeah, that should be good or something like that. So I, so I reached out and I said, hey, man, I want to I ask Luke to kind of collaborate with me. What do you think about that? And he goes, that's a great idea. And, that, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to give him a, and then Luke is just Luke. He's awesome. He was just like, hell yeah. I miss dude. Matt, man. He's, yeah. I haven't seen Matt in a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, think, I think the, the biggest thing was kind of you resonating with that EP I put out, mm-hmm. reached out saying, instead of you coming in as an engineer, I want you to come into this as a collaboration with me as fried monk. So that, that kind of set me off thinking, how should I run this session? Normally I'm running it in Pro Tools and thinking of it as like a tape machine where we're recording as a band where you have all those inputs. So I'm like, well, I do all my Fried Monk stuff in Ableton. Why don't we try recording the session in Ableton? Yeah. Definitely had its downsides because it's not as easy to set up certain things, not to get too nerdy on all the specific te- uh, technicalities, but um, yeah, those songs wouldn't have come out the way they did if we did it in Pro Tools. A lot of them, like, I was just like, ooh, take that little noodly thing you're doing right now. We'll DI it real fast, pitch it down a little bit. I could chop it up, reverse it, make it into something completely different. And it it kind of helped where we had two days in the studio and we did three songs based on just those two days. And one wasn't written at all. One yeah. wasn't a part of those song ideas in the folder. So it was, uh, it was really fun. I, I had uh, had been playing around with a couple other buddies and just trying to do like songwriting sessions. So it wasn't so much me just recording people. And that helped out a lot. A buddy of mine, eight hours, he goes by, he's actually putting out a lot of music right now, but he started doing a lot of writing sessions with me. And that gave me the confidence when Jamil asked. So I was like, absolutely, let's do it. We'll just like come up with stuff on the spot, just have fun in the studio. And it's more of a, a collaboration than anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and for you, Luke, I mean, how did the idea behind Sleepless Sound Studio come about? Like, how, and how did that become a reality for you? It was uh, basically going to Drexel with Adam Laub and Bob Iacono, two uh, owners with me. The three of us were like, we really want to do studio work. It's super hard getting into a studio. Why don't we just try and pool our resources together and create our own space? Um, had a lot of help from Drexel professors. Ryan Schwab was a big one, huge mastering engineer in Philly. Um, he mastered the EP too. Um, but he he just kind of looked at our game plan and was like, oh, you should get this gear instead. And it kind of helped push us in the right direction. We lucked out on the space. It was, uh, it was a place that already had partitions set up. Terribly done, but they built it. And it was, I think, two guys just doing hip hop. And then they bailed on the lease. And we got in like not even within a month. So we had just like found a space that had a vocal booth built out, a partition with three panels of windows to separate and everything. And uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a trip. I just, uh, I saw my Instagram archives. The first record I recorded in there was on this day we were doing guitars. So I had a little reel on Instagram or something that was showing that that was 2014 when we were first started operating. Wow. It's been, it's been a trip. I didn't think it'd be going this long, but it has, and it's been super fun. Yeah, and you've been playing guitar and drums like half your life, right? Yeah, since I never really trained professionally, more so just annoyed my parents, like bless my parents. They just got me a kit and it was always band practice at my house, but I would just play to my iPod for hours on end. 
Any parents that let their kid have a drum set in the house are either crazy or really, really supportive, right? So, <laughs> And then as the drummer, you always accumulate all the gear that gets left there. So like I had a keyboard to play around with that wasn't mine. A bass amp was left there too. So it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Lucky, lucky them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so Jamil, I wanted to ask you about, um, you, uh, you had a, a different single that came out last year, uh, Lake Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. uh, tell Tell me kind of about the process for, for pulling that together. Um, well, it was the first time I'd sort of recorded at home in a long time, probably since I was a teenager recording on the old Tascam 424. Um, you know, for me, uh, in my day job, I make my living on the road. So um, it was a pretty unique circumstance for me to be kind of isolated at home for such a long period of time. I hadn't been home for a two-week stretch in probably four or five years. So I, I kind of looked at it and said, well, if I'm stuck here, it's a great opportunity to make music. And I wonder if, you know, I can have a full band sound, you know, literally recording vocals in my bathroom and, you know, hiding under the sheets to isolate sound and things of that nature. So um, Luke was super helpful in the process. Um, he taught me uh, a couple of miking techniques, how to, how to do certain things the right way. Um, and, uh, I remember at a certain it, point I had to talk you down too. You were kind of super worried about outside noise. Like, Dude. yeah, yeah. And then, even in our studio, you hear a siren go by every now and then the mic isn't going to pick it up. You'll be yeah, fine. sure. Sure. But one thing that these guys, so I'm also not trained as a musician. I've picked up everything by ear. Um, and I think I have pretty horrible time. <laughs> and Luke was like, Hey man, whatever you do, just play to the click, play to the click. So, um, you know, that was, that was a lot of the preparation for me is that oftentimes when we're in the studio, um, you know, these guys are super patient with me um, where I just feel that playing through, through to a click feels somewhat robotic. Um, so these guys are awesome in the sense that they're patient with me. And then they do a lot in uh, post-production to, to help even things out where I'm not really really that great um but yeah i mean the process was it was pretty serene and pretty enjoyable you know it was interesting working with luke not being in the same room not seeing each other um and i think it kind of pushed me to a point where i said hey listen you know you don't have the the support in person or the ability to bounce ideas off in the moment that you do in the studio so you know what just just take lead, run with it and have a good time with it. And it was, it was a really fun experience. And, and, um, you know, I think since that summer, there's still, you know, four or five tracks that Luke drummed to that we still just haven't, I just haven't released because we went into the fried monk project and, and you know, things took it with those sound like now. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm sure they sound great. There's at or, least two more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it's kind of interesting too because it was like, oh, I need to give you a couple different versions so I don't have to go back and like punch in and like maybe the mics will change a little bit so it won't be the exact same sound. Yeah. I can't really use two takes separately and mash them together. So I was, I was uh, not nervous, but I was like, I, sh I should give you more than I think you need on that. And yeah, I think you were happy with the first comp that I put together on that drum take. 
Yeah, I was so he would send me. We we kind of send files just over the iPhone, and um, he would send them to me. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. This is great. That's a print, and he'd be like, yeah, you know what? Let me try. <laughs> let me try a few other things, and then he sent me back another version. I'm like, this is awesome. This is a print. Let's do it. He'd be like, oh, one more. So I mean, uh, that that's the great thing about Luke is that you know he's he's super talented, but um, uh, his mind in one single piece can creatively think up a lot of different directions. And I think it's the sum of all those parts sometimes, which is a really amazing thing. And it's, it's a super pleasure and a privilege to have uh, Thanks, dude. the opportunity to play music with a guy like this. Would you, would you call yourself your toughest critic, Luke? Like, are you, are you pretty uh, critical? I think I've gotten better at it. I've realized that focusing on like a couple milliseconds is I'm the only audience there. No one else is gonna pay attention to that one snare hit that's been driving me insane. So I just take a step back and uh, Jamil's kind of helped with that too, where it's more so let's just, let's just go in and do it. And then we can worry about the rest later. Um, but yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> what one, one song where there's a lot of detail that, uh, I mean, and I read about it a little bit, it's the, the lost ones um, where you, um, you look, you used your stomach as a Congo paper bag over a coffee table. <laughs> uh rain stick shakers there's also separate drum kits in, involved like yeah tell, yeah tell me about the detail that like is it just fun is it like a fun little, little hobby or are you trying to really make this masterful what's what's uh what's happening there i, I give jameel full credit for that he kind of just kept pushing me to go weirder and then i i was trying to think in the moment headphones on adam's recording me um just what could be weirder all right use my body and then I think there was something where I was like dropping a symbol onto a snare or dropping a symbol onto another symbol. And it created like a trash kind of open hi-hat sound. Um, yeah, dude, that's all Jamil. Yeah. No, I, would, I wouldn't say that. I mean, stuff, but I mean, that day was cool. actually, that day was actually pretty cool because we were wrapping up the sessions for Islands and the Lost Ones. I think we almost recorded that entire record in the sequence that I wanted to put it out in. And, um, and Luke was there for, for several of the songs sporadically. And I think we were wrapping up the sessions and I'm not sure if you were even supposed to be there that day. You might've had something to do. And then you were like, hey. I wasn't on that record too much. That record I was like kind of sparse on. That was mostly yeah. Adam. It was mostly Adam. Yeah. Um, but I think you came in and you were like, hey, I'm gonna come in on this session. And Luke showed up and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I have Adam and Luke, two amazing drummers. Like, let's just put both of these guys in the mix and have them go to town. And the first thing that I was thinking of was um, uh, D'Angelo's Black Messiah. He does a lot of that sort of offset drumming. And um, it's a technique that I've been obsessed with that I've been looking for the opportunity to use for a very long time. I said, all right, I got these, both of these guys. And in fact, Luke and Adam have played drums on the same song for me in the past, but I've never had them play on top of each other. And yeah, I remember that. It changes yeah. from Adam to me mid-song. Really? Yeah. So it was yeah. it was this one was the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was super sweet. They're slightly staggered, and I was really happy with how that turned out. Yeah. And uh, and Luke, um, you uh, you tweeted uh, back in 2018. Um, yeah. people people need to stop leave or start leaving voicemails again so I can sample them. What <laughs> what is it about a, a good voicemail that you like to sample? Uh, I just like taking sounds from something that means something to me and make it into a melody. It's always just personal. Like I, 
I, I try to sample things that are like not just like specific to something. So I could be like, oh yeah, that was that one voicemail or that was that one walk down a random city block where I heard a dude singing and I could just capture that moment. And it's uh, songs are always kind of time capsules for me. I, I feel like Kanye half the time listening to my own tracks, but it always brings back that moment when I was recording it. So I really enjoy that and sampling something is just another story inside that song. I'm never really uh, in, I, I don't dive into lyrics as much as most people do. I dive into the sounds of something. So that's always just the time capsule moment for me is when I can find that weird sample that I have. Yeah. And for you, what's the difference between, you know, recording with a drum kit and, uh, and a drum pad? Like, how do you differentiate where you want to go and that's what, and the sound that you're looking for? It's really a lot easier for me to bring out what I have in my head behind a drum set rather than program a drum. I normally start with a loop that I think sounds closest. It also just takes so much more time to program out a drum beat than it is to just record one behind a kit. So for me, I'll normally start with a drum loop that I have with hi-hat kick, snare, ride, cymbal, whatever, all in the one wave file. And then from there, try and recreate it later. But I try not to let that slow down the writing process. So a lot of the drum loops that started out on these songs didn't remain in the songs, but they helped move along the session. So we could just write to something where I was like, ooh, this should have that kind of feel to it. And it helped get the, the guitar or the bass line or the vocal melody down. And then I'd go back and make it my own drum loop. I'd, uh, also, yeah. like to add, I'd also like to add that I think, um, I think you have a really great sense of what the song needs. So we were actually back in the studio a couple of weeks ago uh, working on some new stuff. And um, we were on one track. You know, it's just like we're working out these tracks and looks like this one needs a real kit. Uh, this one needs a combo of the two, right? He's got a great sense of what makes the song work. And I'm just going to probably attribute that to a gift and just thousands and thousands of hours of practicing, you know, and playing and, and getting a feel for it. Yeah. Yeah. You get that touch, right? So um, with your, uh, with your islands album, um, tell me about, uh, you know, you use your iPhone a lot to take notes and record voice memos and kind of pull the whole thing together that way. Has that been a constant process for you? Um, kind of just putting things down as you go and then kind of coming back to it that sense or what it, um, what's your normal method? Yeah, I think probably the, the voice notes and the written notes app on the iPhone for me personally has kind of um, changed my life as a songwriter. One, it's just, it's, while I do have gear set up in the house, um, sometimes it's just easy to use that as a recorder versus, you know, opening up a session, creating a scratch track, doing all that. A lot of times things appear in my head and I just want to get them before they're lost. Um, and then the voice notes, it's really great because I, I, I have very poor penmanship. So oftentimes I'll write lyrics and I'm like, what? does this say what um but i think islands was a little bit more unique for me in the sense that it was still using the technology that i've been using for a couple of years at this point to to jot down ideas but um i was traveling through asia while i was writing the album and i didn't have access to any instruments so um that one was a tough one or a, a different experience because there were a lot of humming and a lot of you know, just sounds that I was making. And then obviously, you know, depending on where, where I was, the ambient noise was pretty crazy. Um, and the ideas were just, you know, flowing 
throughout the time. And, and that was a lot of fun to do it that way and then kind of figure out how to reconstruct all that. And I think that that probably if, if you ever um, have an opportunity to listen to the record, you know, it flows more like a series of vignettes than it does necessarily uh, a song with your traditional structure. I'm a big fan yeah. of that album, dude. It's funny because I think Adam, who he's also in a new project uh, with his his significant other, Bailey, um, Decoupler, and their production style, Adam specifically, that he did a lot on Islands, is, I feel like we draw a lot of the same influences and we have kind of a similar production style. Sure. Very kind of, could be indie pop, dark, but also trip hop. Gets For sure. Radiohead vibes to it. So I, I loved his production on that album. He did a lot of the cool synth sounds and oh, yeah. ads that are going on. Yeah, yeah, Adam's Adam's great that way. Um, I think you know the one the one really cool thing about all of us is that um, we're just. I mean, I'm sure every musician is to a degree, but I think we're all just such big fans of music. But also, um, none of us are are genre specific and. Uh, we all listen to just a bunch of different random stuff and, and it's great because we discover good bands through each other that way too, you know? Um, yeah, it's pretty fun that way. Yeah. On the indie pop side, uh, Jamil, you also have a side project with your, your friend, Nathan McCaskill, McCaskill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Nate, um, is a friend of mine. We, uh, we started working on some music before the pandemic. Um, and then, we went into quarantine and the project kind of came to a little bit of a halt and now he's having a blast traveling through Costa Rica. So I'm looking forward to when he gets back and, and seeing if we can get back together into some of those sessions and, and work on those tunes. Yeah. What are you trying to do with that? You know, how is that different than, than what you're, you're doing, you know, separate from Nathan? Um, how, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, he just brings a different skill set than I have to the table. He's got a great ear for melodies and, and a different ear for melodies. So it's been a little different in the sense that he's kind of leaned on me to write the songs in their entirety. And then he'll come in and really put together some beautiful instrumentation and parts to it. And then um, we both decided that it's only fair that we both have sort of the same uh, authority to make changes within the song so he'll come and say i don't like those lyrics i don't like the way that sounds let's change that you know and and it works out for the better for sure yeah you have another project also with uh your friend uh, jason omera like what uh tell me what's going on with that project and what uh, what you're looking to create there yeah so um jason and i've been writing songs together since these days um, so, uh, it's just about as long as I've known Luke, I've known Jason for about a decade, but, um, we started playing music together just about as long as Luke and I've been playing music together. And, um, yeah, Jason and I have, uh, been sort of just at this stage been, um, sharing ideas back and forth. We have a couple of songs that are flushed out, but not fully recorded. Um, and he has an amazing dimension to it because, uh, a, he's an awesome sax player. He's a, he's uh, a great wind instrument player as well. But on top of that, he's, he has all those skill sets that I don't in the sense that he is musically trained. He understands the theory. Um, he's great at composing really intricate and detailed and uh, sort of um, energetic and charismatic parts. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool deal for me as well. And he's just a great, great, great guy. Yeah. 
Now, Luke, you've, you've produced a lot of different artists and um, one, you know, I was looking through the discography of what you've produced and everything. One that kind of stood out to me was um, Spumoni and their, their, their album, Fucking Who Gives a Shit. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, do tell me about this because uh, <laughs> I didn't listen to it, I'll just say. Uh, not not because of the content, but just because uh, I didn't get a chance to. But <laughs> but it it looks like an incredible project. I'll say. Tell me. That, tell me about that it. album was a treat. That's uh they uh they've been longtime clients and friends. Uh, I miss those guys. I haven't seen them in a while. But that album is more so a podcast than an album. There were yeah. two or three sessions where they just blocked out a couple hours of studio time. I set up mics, we hung out for a bit, I hit record and just let them go. And then they sat on those hours of recordings and were like, okay, hour 232, 15 seconds to hour 245, that's track this. And then like, we really just spliced it up that way. And then Jeff, the the guy that kind of started that idea, he, uh, he came to me being like, we should do four or five tracks where we produce a beat together. So that's where I put on like the fried monk cap and we went in and then they, he kind of, I would like start a track or something or an idea and then set. he was like, Oh, I hear bass on this. Can I do a baseline? And then I'd set up a MIDI keyboard for him to do the baseline. And it was, it was cool. It was interesting. That was one of the first times I collaborated as fried monk with someone in the studio. And at that point I was nervous. Cause I was like, what if I don't produce anything? And this all sounds like crap at the end. And like, the time's running for them to pay for it so uh, i was uh i was nervous going into it but it came out really interesting that's a they they put out a greatest hits of that album really <laughs> so, there's a, so there's a separate album that's smaller and condensed that has less of the talking tracks and more of just the actual music but yeah you should give it a listen to on a long car ride yeah and, and maybe not with the kids i'll keep them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah not no kids I know there was one track that was like four seconds long. It's just interesting to see like the titles and everything and how, you know, I, I need to spend some time with it, I think, right? So it's really funny too, because as much as that kind of comes across as like a joke and they're having fun doing it, they still came back with a lot of like mixed notes and <laughs> had revisions and they took it very seriously. It was, uh, it was both sides of the coin for most of that album. But yeah, it was a blast. I miss those guys. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, both in your own right, I mean, are constantly making music, different projects, different, you know, uh, outlets of doing this. What is it for you that, you know, that makes you so passionate about it and ha and having this as your, your outlet? I just feel fortunate to work on so many other people's music. If it's not anything to do with me helping them writing it, um, just I've always kept this thought in the back of my head no matter how much I might not resonate with their music at first or if I have an idea that I think might sound better but they're adamant about their idea I remind myself they've worked on this song for months and months before I've even started working on it and that's their art and their baby and I just I always just feel very humbled and fortunate that people allow me to kind of put a little sonic imprint on something that they hold so dear to themselves that they would bring it to a studio and pay money to have someone else work on it. Yeah. How about you, Jamal? Um, you know, I think that just music is probably the most beautiful thing on the planet. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's something that everybody can relate to. And it's amazing. Um, you know, uh, 
there's so many different types of music where at least from what is being sung, I have no concept of what's going on. Um, you know, I've been into uh, some French bands lately. I've been listening to some stuff out of West Africa. Lyrically, I have no idea what's going on, but there's something about the beat. There's something about the melodies. There's something about the heart in it that I feel it's just such a beautiful human experience to listen to music. Um, so I think that's what's something that's always kept me very connected with it. Um, it's also such a great gateway to meet other amazing people. You know, when Luke and I are in the studio, one of the things that's really awesome about it is that, you know, I have no idea if Luke, you know, if he believes in the God or if he doesn't, how he votes, what he cares about to those micro degrees that, that it just doesn't matter. We're there to make music together. We have a beautiful friendship as a result of it. And we're both invested in just making the best possible song that we can. And that's such a privilege just to be in an environment where multiple people, whether it's two or more, are so driven to create something to the best of their abilities and everybody's contributing the best that they have inside them. I think that's, it's, it, to me, it's teamwork at its finest. The output and the results are great. And hopefully, you know, um, while I think a lot of the music we make to uh, satisfy our souls, we hope that it brings other people happiness in, in, in the process. And maybe it's a small way for us to leave our legacy and, and maybe live forever, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, though, if anything, the the studio for me and the other guys, it's like we all have day jobs and we're working side of music for the most part now. Um, I was doing live sound before COVID, so I had to find some other means of working post-COVID. But um, we just made so many friends and connections through that yeah. film that that's it's never been about the money for us with that. It's if we could keep the doors open and invite someone else who we haven't met yet through those doors, that's awesome. And I've, I don't think I've really had any bad experiences in that building. It's always just been fun, good times. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. And, uh, and as we wind out, what have you learned about yourself through the music that you've made? That might be a big question. <laughs> that's, that's deep. Uh, you want to take this? <laughs> Uh, sure. Um, uh, I think probably, um, you know, I write a lot more sad songs than I write happy songs. So maybe I'm just a sad son of a bitch. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I agree with that, man. I, I've, I've realized I don't write happy songs. Yeah. Even if I am happy, then I just don't write. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, it's it, that's a really tough question. It's it's one of those introspective questions that I don't think I think about a lot. Um, I will say this that you know, as Luke mentioned, we have day jobs, we have kind of adult responsibilities, people who rely on us, um, and and communities that we're a part of. And it's not to say that playing music doesn't take effort. Um, being good at anything or trying to be better at anything takes effort. But I think that both of us have been doing it long enough right now where out of our normal lives where we have to really focus and think on some of the harder things about life. Uh, music is one of those things where, at least for me, you don't really have to think at all. And, um, and I, that doesn't mean I'm the best at what I do. I, I want to become even a better musician. You know, I, I, I work for that. But um, it's nice to be at a point where you feel connected to the instrument, you feel connected to the place where you want to go with the songs that it's really just a mental escape like when we're in the, when we're more in the studio playing music um 
there's very little else that I'm thinking about, you know, if anything at all. You're able to disconnect. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's 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 an escape for sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, Jamil, Luke, thank you guys for uh, for taking the time. I know you're excited to get the, the single out and get out there. And um, I'm sure you you know we're all ready for concerts to be back, right? Like it's oh yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, like, I'm still a little nervous about it, right? I mean, I, I got my second shot, so I'm okay, but it's just, it feels like certain environments I'm not really ready for. <laughs> like, I saw I saw Bill Burr is coming around, right? And I'm like, oh, that's mm. interesting. And he's playing a theater, but there's no spacing between the seats. Like, I'll go to a, a baseball game, and then the seats are uh, spread out, and it's outdoors and everything, right? It's distance, but I don't know. I'm not ready for that indoor closest, although I'm so ready to be back at concerts, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the restrictions are just like sometimes they make sense, other times it's just out of left field, and I don't understand them at all. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. back though, safe and sound, and uh, everyone can enjoy being in a large group of people sooner than later because I missed that. Yeah, yeah. One Absolutely. nice thing it looks like science is out miracle to miracle on this one. So hopefully, uh, we can put our faith in it, and and we'll be all right. That's a great point because you know it. At the beginning of this, they're like the fastest this has ever been done was four years, right? Yeah. You know, and and that doesn't give you a lot of hope. But uh, you know, I'm coming back to hope here. Right? I mean, yeah. here we are, so. just over a year, and it's been a long year. But but man, they they turned up the the, the heat and made things happen, right? So yeah, yeah. So yeah, be grateful for I what think we got. there's definitely a lot to be hopeful for, and um, and I you know I I, I miss concert, but I also just miss hugs and shaking hands yeah. and things like that, you know just simple human gestures that you kind of take for granted when you get to do it all the time yeah and you don't think they're going to be taken away from you in the blink of an eye right yeah for sure so, yeah well thank you guys for for taking the time i really enjoyed our our chat and uh yeah hopefully we'll be seeing you guys out here soon okay yeah Likewise, thanks steve, steve. yeah we these were great, great questions that was an awesome interview thank yeah. you for having us thanks a lot hey, for having us we had a blast and and um and uh, thanks for using your platform to, to share our story. Happy we to do it. appreciate it. Yeah. It's a great story. <laughs> All right. Have a great one, Steve. Thanks. Later, guys. All right, Take bye. care. Bye. That was the interview with Fried Monk and Beautiful Fortune here on Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. I have just a couple of stories I'm going to share today um, to uh, give updates on what's going on in the music world. Uh, first off is Live Nation. Yes, that company that uh, used to sell concert tickets <laughs> and very sadly, you know, hasn't been selling many this past year. But um, they are wiring more than 60 venues in a high uh, uh, tech plan to bring concerts to everyone. This is the new way of the world, apparently. Distance concerting. I'm not crazy about it. I don't know. Uh, I'll watch, you know, my favorite artists perform live uh, streaming if, uh, if, you know, if that's the only option. But I don't really want that to be the way. I don't want to buy a bunch of virtual concert tickets. I want to go to a concert. I want to see them live. And there's no replacement for that in my book. But, but this is a big deal. And this is, you know, a big step also to 
helping, I guess, limit in-person contact and bringing concerts to those that uh, um, aren't able to get to the shows. And if you're in different locations than, than where the show is also, you can watch them from anywhere, right? So um, after more than a year of empty arenas, they're taking matters into their own hands today to, to, uh, to do this. It's um, the project is happening under the wing of Veeps, the live streaming platform launched by Good Charlotte's Benji and Joel Madden in 2017. Uh, they were forward thinking on this, weren't they? Um, and Live Nation acquired it earlier this year. And now we know why. Uh, with the flip of a switch, every artist playing in these venues can make their show a global event, uh, says co-founder Joel Madden. We've already seen how live stream shows drive engagement uh, and the added ticket revenue will allow them to make what they're offering their fans even better. Uh, so uh, Veep's ticket proceeds earned over $10 million for artists in 2020, uh, which funds not only performers, but their bands and crews. The, per, uh, the platform does not charge artists directly, instead adding a 15% fee to ticket sales. So that is good, right? The artists are not paying the, the cost on these, but the, um, the fans are, and it's coming directly from that. So artists will be able to make their money without having to um, worry about being charged on the back end. Uh, so first up for the new wiring project is the Wiltern Theater. It's 1850 seat Los Angeles landmark, which will begin live streaming on May 7th with a lineup of shows. Uh, there's a bunch of different bands, um, most of them who I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I guess it looks like the, a lot of the A-list artists are uh, letting other performers work out the kinks. Fans can buy $15 tickets for individual shows or series passes at the Wiltern, but there are a lot of other venues that are uh, lined up to uh, do this as well. Um, the Fillmore in San Francisco is one of the, the venues. So that's cool because I love the Fillmore and I'll check out any show at the Fillmore. Also uh, Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View is on point. So that's gonna be some bigger shows that are uh, going to be able to be streaming um, and uh, more to come with that as, uh, as they work out all the kinks and. Uh, and get that becoming more mainstream. So, all right. So um, a couple of other concert news. Uh, Blossoms, there's a band called Blossoms. They're gonna headline a uh, COVID-19 pilot gig in Liverpool with no social distancing. Uh, 5,000 local fans will head to Sefton Park next month for the test event with no masks. That's right, no masks and no distance, distancing requirement. Uh, how are you doing that, you ask, huh? Uh, so uh, the gig dubbed Sefton Park Pilot comes as part of a host of government organized pilot events in the lead up to England, gradually exiting lockdown by the end of June. They were like, we're done with this, we are clear, and we're gonna do a concert to, uh, to kind of test the waters, right? Um, this place normally holds 7,500 people, but they're gonna have 5,000 uh, attendees will have to take a lateral flow COVID-19 test at a local testing center prior to being granted entry, as well as another test after the show. That's interesting. I don't. I wonder what the test after the show is going to. Is that that might just be for data purposes? I guess you're not getting out of the venue too quickly on that one, right? Um, during the show, they will not be asked to wear a mask or practice social distancing. Uh, tickets for the show, uh, which also uh, features uh, the Lathams and Zuzu can be purchased online. Um, and there's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess more to come on, on that, but 
the gigs promoters festival republic the boss there says melvin ben says live music is a must-have in my life and a year without it is a year too long the sefton park pilot is the most important event in the event research program for getting festivals back this year and i'm delighted to play my part it's not about vaccines it's not about passports it's not about limiting it to a section of society only it's about a universal approach to our love of live music for all and demonstrating uh, that we can do it safely okay so looking ahead right i mean there are going to be a lot of eyes on this sort of thing there's a lot of testing that needs to be done for concerts and being able to get them back because i think we all can agree that zoom concerts are not you know the most uh, exciting thing in the world we try and get artists on when we can uh, to play music but um but it just uh, is not a replacement, nor is live streaming or anything uh, along those lines, right? So if this works, you know, it might be worth, um, I mean, it might be something that's invested in for uh, looking forward here in uh, uh, the United States. So we'll see. Okay, next story is about Foreigner, uh, who have been on the program three times. Uh, they're expanding their summer tour with 13 new stops. Um, they announced that they'll be returning to the road this summer for an expanded greatest hits tour that will visit 13 additional U.S. cities. They said after a year in lockdown and postponed shows, foreigners set to return um, and things are scheduled to kick off on June 24th in uh, Ottawa, uh, in Indiana, in, or uh, IA. Iowa, Iowa, we'll go with Iowa, um, at the Bridgeview Center, and we'll be wrapping up on November 14th in Brandon, uh, Missouri, at the Brandon Amphitheater. So uh, there's stops in Arizona, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, North and South Dakota, Washington, and Idaho. So um, lots of shows, none here in California, though, so um, I might have to miss that one, but um it's unfortunate. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to take, hop on a plane and get to one of those other locations because I want to show. And I think they're not doing it socially distanced. I think they're doing it at full capacity if, uh, in the in the venues. So I don't know. Porter's always fun times. They put on a, a really great show. And, um, you know, maybe we'll have them on again to talk about this tour at some point. We will see. So, um, all right. I'm going to do one more story to wind us out. And uh, this is, of course, about Dave Grohl and um, a little collaboration he had with Mick Jagger. Uh, they surprise fans with Easy Sleazy. Um, Mick Jagger's released a surprise collaboration with Dave Grohl and uh, Easy Sleazy, along with an accompanying music video. Mick penned the song. Uh, during the pandemic lockdown, and he had this to say. It's a song that I wrote about coming out of lockdown with some much-needed optimism. Thanks to Dave Grohl for jumping on drums, bass, and guitar. He did it all, as Dave Grohl tends to do, right? Uh, it was a lot of fun working with him. Uh, and Grohl added, it's hard to put into words what recording this song with Sir Mick means to me. It's beyond a dream come true. Just when I thought life couldn't get any crazier, and it's the uh, song of the summer without a doubt. So you can check that video out online and uh, be able to listen to some easy sleazy music. Uh, all right. So that is our show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Like us on all the socials at Facebook, facebook.com uh, forward slash concert pipeline pod 
at Concert Pipeline on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, and for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, uh, I'm Steve Jones. Uh, next week on the program, we have an artist call, uh, who goes by Art, excuse me, Arts Fishing Club. Uh, so we will catch you next time. Thank you.